Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Our guest today is Ellen Werman, the Michigan Director for the Campus Election Engagement Project. Ellen received her BS in Public Administration from the University of Arkansas and her Master's in Higher Education from Loyola University. Prior to working with the Campus Election Engagement Project, she worked in higher education student affairs at the Illinois Institute of Technology, Loyola University, Chicago, Marietta College, and Central Michigan University. Ellen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. So, Ellen, you currently work with the Campus Election Engagement Project. What kind of work does that organization do? Great question. So, the Campus Election Engagement Project is a national, nonpartisan organization, nonprofit. Um, we work with colleges across the U.S., about 500 now. And we are working with faculty, staff, administrators, and students to ensure that we institutionalize voting as a process that all college students take part in. And we really see voting as a ways in which we can limit injustices in the world when everyone uses their vote. Interesting. So why do you focus on students? So there's a few reasons we focus on students. One, 18 and 19-year-olds nationally, whether or not they're enrolled in college, are the least likely voters uh, across the country, and that's held up for a number of years. And we also know from the data that 18 and 19-year-olds, once they've voted once, they're more likely to vote again in the future. So if we want to grow voters in our country, and I think we all agree we want as many voters as possible, we have to start you know, somewhere. And colleges tend to be the biggest conglomeration of 18 and 19-year-olds. So it's a really nice way to capture their work. And it also is directly related to the purpose of higher education, which is to create educated citizens. We can't just do the education part and not do the citizenry part. And so most institutions have a goal of creating citizens who are educated for the betterment of our nation. And so we talk about how voting is related to that. You mentioned that younger voters tend to have a lower turnout. Can you tell me a little bit about why that is? I grew up in a culture where on my birthday in high school, we had a teacher that gave us a voter registration card. So for me, voting's always been a thing. So why is it that younger people don't tend to vote? There are a lot of factors. And like you, I also grew up in a family and in a town that was really civic minded. And so I was always looking forward to turning 18 and being able to vote. But the culture is just not there for young people. For one thing, not to get too uh, (laughs) nerdy about it, but um, 18 and 19 year olds don't often have the cognitive complexity to think about others. They're still fairly self-centric and don't see long-term benefits of Mm short-term acts like voting. That's a big one, the sort of neurological barrier. The other piece is they're low information and folks are rational. They're adults and they don't want to make the wrong choice. They don't necessarily know where to get the correct information to make all of these decisions. We don't often have strong civic education in K-12 education. And so um, when they hit 18 or 19 and then they aren't sure what a water commissioner does, they're like, oh, I don't want to vote because I don't know enough. So that's another big barrier for youth voters. The other piece I'll point out is that there are, depending on the state, a number of structural barriers that get in the way of students and young people voting. For instance, many states do not allow college or post-secondary IDs as voter IDs. And so the cost of an ID may be prohibitive. They may not know where their poll 
polling location is, which, you know, goes back to the low information. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't done it yet, you may not yet be familiar. Um, And so there are just a lot of those things that add up that tend to work against young voters. And you mentioned that once they vote, they're more likely to vote later on in life. Is the same thing true for if you don't vote when you're 18 or 19, you're less likely to vote later on in life? That's a great question. Um, I would suspose, um, I don't have the data in front of me, but that would be my estimation. We do know, like I said, once they have voted once, they're more likely to vote again in the future. It's clear that folks are more likely to vote depending on a number of other demographics as well. Women at this point are more likely voters than men. We know that upper class students, so juniors and seniors, are statistically significantly more likely to vote. There are a number of things that play into it, but we do know for sure that once you voted once, you're more likely to vote again in the future. That's good to know. So if you start voting early, you're more likely to keep voting. So getting back to those reasons why people don't vote, you mentioned earlier that there's some structures in place and you mentioned the ID laws. Are there other structures in place that prevent students from really wanting to vote or even young people, not even just students? Yeah, yeah, there are quite a few. So some that I'll highlight, we talked about IDs, which can be kind of confusing. And again, think about if you're an out-of-state student. You know, it's confusing if you can use your out-of-state ID to vote in-state. So that's one of the structures that can be kind of confusing as well. Another barrier is that college students and young people in general move a lot. Um, And so every time you move, for instance, if you live on campus for four years, you might have four or five different addresses. Um, And so having to update that every time can be kind of a barrier for students because they forget or don't know that they need to do that. There are also things like the fact that we vote most often on Tuesdays. And where are young people on Tuesdays? Class or work or both. And so not having a national law that allows folks to take time off to go vote or to have an excused absence from school that, you know, the time is really critical. The other thing I would say is the less money you have, the more likely you are to favor work or school over taking time out for obvious reasons to go vote. So those are just a few. There are a lot of confusing things for for young folks in terms of getting the information about early voting as well. And that has changed in light of COVID. In many states now, absentee voting is allowed where it wouldn't have been in pre-COVID. And with all the changes, it can be a lot for young folks to keep up with. Our usual channels of communication for students are often educators or social media. And as we all know, at present, everyone's on social media, but there's it's like a fire hose. And so <laughs> being able to keep track of what's real information and what's changed and what's up to date can be really tough. Yeah, I know that for myself, it's really tough to keep up with. What are the laws of my state? Can you early vote? Can you absentee ballot vote? Part of that is you have to make a plan, right, of how to vote. And that's a little tricky when you're a younger person. Yeah, that is a great point. And it's especially important this year for folks who, for a variety of reasons, may want to vote from home, who may be displaced because they are either on or off campus uh, as mm-hmm. compared to where they might have been if campuses were open. There are a number of factors that go into making a plan. And fortunately, there are a lot of great resources out there that are nonpartisan that are helping mm-hmm. young folks do that work. But it is critical that folks think ahead, especially with the disruption to the United States Postal Service and some of the delays in mailing, even for those who are making vote safe plans to vote by mail or vote absentee or vote early. You want to make sure that you know the laws in your state that 
relate to when your vote should be mailed by or received by, because that may vary. And it's important for young folks to look ahead because obviously you want to leave enough time for any of those methods. I feel like this year, every month has just flown by. And that's so important to keep in mind, especially when you have to mail in an absentee ballot. If you're going that route, you have to mail that in by a certain point, especially with delays with the Postal Service that you might experience. You have to make sure that you're sending that in an amount of time to where they can receive it. And it's received by the date that's regulated by your state. Right. It's it's a lot. There are a lot of dates and a lot to keep track of. And I'm thankful for, you know, that many secretaries of state of both parties across the country are doing their best to really educate folks and use social media and announcements and, and update their websites to reflect all the new dates and, and suggested mailing dates. But it, it is a lot to keep up with. Yeah, especially as a college student or a young person that might be displaced because of COVID. So for those people that are in a different location than they typically would be in November, what would you recommend for them to figure out how to vote? Great question. I would obviously recommend Campus Election Engagement Project's uh, mailvote.org website only because it works for every state and it gives you a lot of great information about what happens in each state and what dates and, and you can request your absentee ballot that way. I will just caution folks to make that plan, as you suggested. Really think through what it means and what the deadlines are. If you're already registered back at your campus address, but you aren't living at your campus address, making sure that you know how to request your absent ballot or how to get to the polls if you need to make a car trip. Uh, Some folks are, are planning that. And so just really being thoughtful and careful now so that you know what to do on or before November 3rd. Making a plan is just so important. But as you're saying all this, it makes me think of all the different almost hoops you have to jump through just to vote. Isn't that crazy? It really is. You know, I don't want to compare it directly to a poll tax because that certainly (laughs) was much more direct in terms of suppressing young voters. But there are a lot of hoops for young folks. And it's also really easy. I'll I'll give a quick example. I I happen to work and and live in Michigan, as you you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and they've done a lot of improvements. And thank you to all Michigan voters in 2018 for improving (laughs) our voting process. But one of them is a silly kind of uh, hassle that I wouldn't have thought about. You have to have your signature match when you mail in your absent ballot so that we are sure that you're the right voter. That makes total sense. That seems fair Mm -hmm. and legal. If you, for instance, got your driver's license at 16 and you scribbled your name on the pad when you got your first ever driver's license because you were excited. And then when you mail in your absent ballot at 18 and you were very careful to sign your name so that they would know that it was you, those don't match. So for young folks who may have either carefully signed for their driver's license um, Mm -hmm. or state ID, and then scribbled their name on their absent ballot or the vice versa. We've had a lot of, uh, I've heard from a lot of clerks around the state that that's been an issue and they have to then make a separate phone call and check in with each voter to make sure that their signature is correct. And, you know, it's just little things like that that really add up. If you aren't sure, you know, how they're going to verify who you are, it can be a big challenge. Yeah, I know when I was 16, I really just, it was a big scribble scrabble on my driver's license. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that you wouldn't think about. You have to try and match that. Right. And again, depending on what your driver's license looks like in your Mm -hmm. state, um, or if you even have one, because you may be a person Mm -hmm. who doesn't have one, um, you have to know how you filled out your voter registration form. How did you sign it that day? Was it a scribble? Was it, you know, was it careful? Mm -hmm. So it can be, it can be a big challenge. 
What would you recommend for someone that might not have a driver's license? You mentioned earlier that a lot of states don't accept school IDs. What should you do if you don't have a driver's license? Is there another thing to use? Yeah, there. And again, it will depend on state, which what things they accept as voter identification. I mean, speaking for a few states that I'm familiar with, your best choice is to um, register to vote on paper. There is a national voter registration form using the last four digits of your social security number that anyone can register to vote, no matter if you have a state ID or not. So that's easy to remember. It really will come down to what documents your state will accept. Many will accept, though not all, a mailed bill. So for instance, Mm -hmm. if you got your water bill or another city issued bill with your name and address on it, they can Mm -hmm. verify that at the polls. The best resource for sorting out which IDs count in each state is actually at Mm voteriders.org. They do incredible work and they actually help um, young folks and folks around the country get their IDs if they need to. So you don't have to have a driver's license. You can have a state ID or an alternate form of ID. Just make sure you're checking at your state Secretary of State website or at voteriders.org to sort out what what form of identification you need to bring to the polls. And some states don't require ID. Again, it's very different from state to state. When you see students or young people going to the polls, what are some of the common issues that you see them running into? Yeah, uh, I I bring this back to education. Uh, A lot of the questions I get for students are, I don't know where to vote. I don't know how to request my absent ballot. I don't know where to get a stamp. Um, I don't know how to address an envelope. Um, You know, many of our Gen Z and and young voters um, have never had to use snail mail. So this is a new experience. So um, to those, I say, you know, make sure that you are checking out nonpartisan information out there to learn about the candidates, both local and state and national. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also, just to point out that stamps are available at post offices and at most grocery stores around the country and a number of other places, um, you can also order them online. So uh, both at USPS and Amazon, as it turns out. So lots I of easy ways. I did not know that. I know. I just learned that too. So <laughs> there are lots of good ways to do that. And to find your polling place, the easiest way to do that is to check with your local clerk. But you can also check their website if it's available there. But the, your clerk is your best resource to find your polling place. Definitely buy some stamps, support the postal office, (laughs) and do all that research because it's something that's important. I think that a lot of young people, there's a significant portion at least I hear saying that their vote doesn't matter or voting doesn't matter. What would you say to them? Yeah, I hear that a lot too. And it's really important that we talk about that. In fact, Campus Election Engagement Project's tagline is your vote matters. And we really do believe that. And we really do believe that every student voice matters too because of the long history of youth low turnout. We don't have a lot of representatives in our government at local, state, or national level who are really attuned to what the youth in our country need and what issues matter to them. So often they're ignored. So it's really important at the macro level that lots of young people vote because we will be in this country the longest coming up. So we need to have our voices and our concerns heard and also that we set the tone for the future for what we want to see out of our country. The other thing I'll say to anyone who says that their vote doesn't matter is 
in the example of Michigan, we have a number of state representatives who were elected by fewer than 100 votes. And, and in 2016, our presidential election was decided by fewer than two votes per district. So everyone truly does count. We really need those state and local votes too. So even if you are dissuaded by the two presidential candidates or the two main presidential candidates, and you don't want to vote for one particular position, you can vote for the positions you do care about and do know about. And those more local down-ballot issues and, you know, lots of the other nonpartisan things on our ballots really add up and they affect us on a day-to-day as, as a local citizen. So making sure that you know about what's on your ballot, vote411.org is by the League of Women Voters, a nonpartisan organization. They have sample ballots for your location so you can make that plan of where to vote and when to vote, but also how to vote. That's a really great resource. But thinking through not just the presidential election, but thinking through every election is really why your vote matters. Yeah, those local elections really make a difference. Those elections are more likely to impact you on your day-to-day life than say, the presidential election. And that's something I've encountered a lot is that you don't think about the local pieces as much, but they're just as important. It's true. And, you know, one of the things that has been a pretty big topic around youth has been around policing and who does more policing than your sheriff. Uh, And those are locally elected. They're state officials, but they are elected locally. So if you really care about that in whatever stance you take, that's that's an important election. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. These are things that relate back to our day to day interactions in our community. I love that example. It's a great way of showing that your voice does matter. And if you care about a topic, you do have ways to locally make an impact one way or another. Absolutely. So when we look at young voters and why they're not voting, we hear the apathy thing. But we also, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, there's a socioeconomic issue as well. If you make less money, you're more likely to concentrate on other elements such as working or not being able to take that time off. Are there other aspects or other identities that really impact the likelihood that someone will vote? Yeah, we know of quite a few demographics that do end up playing into our vote. So we talked a little bit about age. Age is a pretty consistent predictor of voting in the U.S. And it's as you would expect, the older you are, the more likely you are to vote. That's the general trend there. We know that uh, socioeconomic status impacts your likelihood of voting, though it's not a perfect predictor. Um, It can't explain why some folks are less likely to vote. We know that sex or gender can impact your vote. Beyond just the male-female sort of breakdown, we also know that folks who identify elsewhere on the gender spectrum may or may not have ID that represents who they are or that may not match their voter registration. So again, going back to the voter ID as a barrier, it could also prohibit voting in that population. And it is interesting to me that we've seen a shift in the gap between men and women, um, that women are outsized voting to men, which is interesting. And then race also plays into this. I don't want to speculate why that might be other than to say that marginalized groups feel marginalized and they are growing in their exercising their voting rights. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like white folks are more likely to vote than black folks in general, but black women are the most likely voters. And we know from the data that Asian men, uh, and this is speaking specifically about young people, um, are the least likely to vote. And so we do know that the cultures uh, of our country do impact folks' likelihood of voting 
And so we want to make sure that we are hearing from all voices, from all students at Campus Election Engagement Project. And so we really do try to make sure that our work reaches organizations and clubs and faculty on campuses who aren't often brought to the table because Mm -hmm. their voices matter. And we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance and an equal opportunity Mm -hmm. to vote. It's so important for everyone to have that equal opportunity. And you hear about the barriers that it takes to, or the hoops you have to jump through to vote. And I really am hoping that we'll be able to have more young people vote in this election. Absolutely. And I, I do think one of the most important parts, and no, no one's paying me to say this, but one of the <laughs> most important parts of being a member of an organization like yours is for leadership development. And mm-hmm. if you aren't using your voice as a leader in your community to vote, then you're missing that opportunity. And it really is critical for Mm -hmm. our communities to be out there and speaking what we need for our future as a country. Yes, we in Alpha Gamma Delta, we have our purpose. And part of that is to honor my home, my country, my religious faith. And voting is honoring your home and your country. Absolutely. So when we think about going to the polls and the big thing that a lot of people need to do is making a plan. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but what are all the things you should consider in your plan to vote? Great question. So first things first, where? So where am I registered to vote? Am I registered in the right place? And then ultimately, where will I vote? Will I vote in person? Will I vote by mail? Uh, Assuming that's an option for you in your Mm -hmm. state. The next thing I would think about is when. So when will I receive my absent ballot if I'm voting by mail? When will I mail it back or when do I need to mail it back by? Or in some cases, you can drop it off at your clerk's office in person. Again, check local uh, all your local laws. So when will you vote in person? If you are choosing to vote in person on November 3rd, it is kind of a rite of passage and, and uh, an important thing if you feel comfortable doing so in the COVID era. Go early. Make sure you have enough time in your day. Note that many many, many localities are expecting lines. So if you are really wanting to vote in person, I give you all the power to do that. I just want you to make sure that you are doing so safely, wear a mask, bring a snack, uh, maybe a chair if you need to, but just be mindful of the time that it will take either to mail and return your ballot or to vote in person. The other thing I would say is how to vote. So in your plan, make sure that you've looked up uh, your sample ballot from your clerk. Again, I'll give a shout out to vote411.org, a great website for finding out what's on your ballot, nonpartisan. And think through each of the issues on your ballot. Think through each of the candidates on your ballot. Find resources in advance so that when you show up to vote or when you get your ballot in the mail, you aren't surprised. And it makes things a lot smoother in the ballot box. And I, you know, of course, want folks to consider as many nonpartisan resources as they can as they're making their plan. Campus Election Engagement Project has a lot of great nonpartisan guides at guides.vote, an easy one to remember. But use what you know about our country and about your values and what you care about and make sure that you're ready to vote on every issue. All of that is so important. And in addition to the resources you mentioned, we also have Alpha Gam Votes and we have a ton of resources there. And you can also go and take the pledge to vote as an Alpha Gam if you're a member. So go check that out. It's on the alphagamadelta.org website under Alpha Gam Votes. And we'd love to see all of our members take the pledge to vote and make those plans like Ellen talked about earlier. Well, Ellen, we're at the point in our podcast where we like to ask every guest one question. And that is, what is your purpose? 
I love that question so much. Um, and it really makes me understand my best friend a little bit better. She's an alpha gam mm-hmm. and this is a thing she has asked me. So um, well, I love that this is inherent to your organization. And um, I'm going to answer twice. I'm going to answer once as, as the Campus Election Engagement Project. We really do see our mission as making sure that uh, colleges and universities across the country ensure that all of their students vote. Really feel passionately that every student voice matters. So the purpose of SEEP, Campus Election Engagement Project, is to make sure students vote, every student. As a as an individual, I would say that my purpose is to do the most good. I have a background in higher ed and a passion for election and civic engagement. And so this job allows me to bring those things together. And it may be what I do forever, or it may not. I just want to do the most good I can for the world. That is so inspiring to hear. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks so much. Well, Ellen, thank you for joining us today and telling us everything we need to vote and how young people can really turn out in this upcoming election and the ways they can do that. For our listeners that are tuning in right now, you can find all of the resources we mentioned in this episode in the episode description on alphagamadelta.org under our podcast section. And we'll also have Alphagam Votes with more resources and the pledge to vote if you so choose to take that. Thank you again, Ellen. It was a joy to have you. And we hope to see everyone at the polls, right? That's right. Thanks so much. And please, please go vote and bring a friend. Bring a friend. Go vote. See you next time. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.